Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, well, well, well. Look who's back to hear more of what this clown has to say. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Royal to Clown podcast, where we talk about clown things going on. Why? Because this is a Kansas City Royals podcast, damn it. And I'm still here to fulfill my duty of bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I have a burp. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't really hear that. That was a really weak burp. But that's just the, the kind of podcast that this is going to be. Because, you know, <gasps> yeah, the, the Royals just love to... Uh, the Royals just love to, to to keep making me look like a guy. They keep love loving to do it to me. Even though it, it, it's not... You know what? Here's the thing. It's not my fault that they keep ignoring everything that I have told them to do. Look, look, all I'm saying is that things would be a lot better if Tucker Bradley was on the opening day roster. I tried to tell everybody. I tried to tell y'all. Tucker Bradley is going to save this team. He should be on the opening day roster. And, oh, look at him now. He's hitting, like, I don't know, 690 in AAA, making insane Batman plays. No one knows what that means. I meant Superman plays. That's what I, that, that describes outfield dives a lot better. Whatever. Batman's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, he, he just gets in, like, uh, his Batmobile and, like, shoots the baseball. And, and, and they die. Tucker Bradley. Um... So don't, 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 don't look, 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 <clears throat> look, look, listen, everybody, listen. Okay. Let, let, let's, 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 you know, let, let's be cool. Let's stay cool here. I'm just being cool. Okay. This is what we do here. We're, we're, I'm just being cool. I'm, I'm an optimist. What can I say? I, you know, someone, there's like a question that I saw on, uh, 
the community that I moderate, r slash Casey Royal, someone was asking, like, why even bother? Why bother watching this team? Why bother engaging with it? To which I can only respond with, I enjoy baseball. I enjoy watching baseball in general. And while I don't necessarily enjoy watching the Royals lose, I will still watch the Royals and talk about the Royals because I am passionate about it. So, that's why. Now, I'm going to do everything I can to believe that the Royals aren't as bad as I think they are. And for what it's worth, I I still don't think the Royals are as bad as as they're as maybe they're showing right now. Or okay. That's a loaded statement right there. Let me let me put it this way. I do still think the Royals are going to get better. I still I projected and and, and let's keep in mind when I say that the Royals are going to get better, I'm not saying yo we're getting to the playoffs this season. It's still happening. I still I predicted 76 wins. I predicted a 76 and 86 record. Can that still happen? Yes. 100%. I totally believe it. Thing is, nobody wants to hear that things aren't as bad as they really seem. Because number one, you don't luck your way into a 4 and 15 record. We can talk about BABIP and hard hit and scheduling as much as we want point is the Royals are four and 15. That's, that's pretty bad. And not only are they four and 15, but their run differential is, I think negative 51. So, um, that's, that's another thing. You don't really luck your way into a negative 51 run differential. It kind of implies that you're doing something wrong. Although I will say this, a negative 51 run differential right now actually means that the Royals based on Pythagorean record should be five and 14. So guess what, guys? The Royals are underperforming. Woo! They're going up, baby. I just detached my microphone from my microphone stand. You can't tell because you, you're not watching me do anything, but wow. Hang on. All right, I fixed this. At the MF and KC, I posted a picture of it. Or at Royal Deluxe Pod, the uh, podcast Twitter account. Anyway, where was I? Um, I was talking about... The way the way people feel about this team and how I feel about this team, you know, I'm still I'm still sitting here thinking it's going to get better. I I genuinely believe this. Now, do I think that the Royals have done things very very wrong? Yes, absolutely. Are there things that they need to do differently to get better? Yes, and we will we will talk about them. I'm going to talk about those today. I'm not really going to talk about the games because you know how the game went. They were terrible. They were all awful games. They all sucked. The Royals lost. Here, here, here's a here, here's your series recap against the, the the Texas Rangers. The Royals lost. They lost on Wednesday. No, sorry. They lost on Monday. Then they lost on Tuesday. Then they lost on Wednesday. They were off on Thursday. But, you know, if they played a game, they might have lost that one too. Uh, Monday score 0-4. Tuesday score 2-12. to and Wednesday score three to twelve. So not only did the Royals lose, but they got their ab they they got they got their asses absolutely handed to them. That was one of those brutal series that I've had to suffer through. So anyway, Royals bad. You know this already. Um, but 
what I'm trying to say is that even though I I still remain optimistic and I don't think this team is going to be, you know, whatever, they're on pace to win like, what, 39 games this season. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't think this is a 50-win team. I don't think this is a 60-win team. I think this is a 75-win team. It, it, it needs some improvement. It needs some, some time to get there. Thing is, though, I can't really make any excuses because, number one, as I just said, you don't luck your way into a 4-15 and 15 record. It's very obvious that the Royals are doing lots of things very wrong, they're playing very bad baseball, and they don't even look mentally prepared to you know, be playing baseball. And the other thing, which is arguably more important, is that I know that you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear someone say, Guys, don't worry about the Royals. It's going to get better. Stop freaking out. Because... Even if I, you know, disagree with some of the super negative takes that are being spread around, like again, like the the fifty win team sort of thing that people are saying that the Royals are are, are this season, I don't want to tell people that they can't feel that way or that like they're wrong for thinking that. Nobody wants to be told that they're wrong. Nobody wants their feelings to be invalidated. That's that's the thing. So anybody who, you know, is really negative about the team and is really upset about it, I feel like, honestly, you're, you're very justified. You're well within your right to um, feel that way. And you probably should feel that way. You probably feel that way because you care a lot. And hey, I'm, you know, for what it's worth, I'm definitely no more happy about it. Even if I am, you know, trying to put on a happy face and be optimistic, you know, about everything. It, it is kind of heartbreaking every night, just being wrong and feeling invalidated by that. It's like, I like, I'm trying to sit here, stay, stay cool. I'm just, I'm just being cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's things are, things going to look up and you know, this will, this will pass, you know, look, it's always darkest before the dawn. Right. But it feels like this season, every time we feel like we've hit the lowest point, it's been the darkest. It gets worse and worse it gets darker and darker and oh no i mean honestly that's how last year felt as well it's just like oh well certainly things are going to turn around now right it's going to turn around now right and it just kept getting worse worse this this season is no different so far so if it feels like i am maybe too, too unabashed of an optimist or whatever don't worry i'm going through it too I feel it too. It does not feel good at all. But I'm still here and I'm holding on to my beliefs that this will get better because someone has to, I think. I'm kind of thinking, I'm kind of looking around at everybody around me within the Royals community, among Royals content creators, and I think, you know what? I'm going to be the guy who's just staying cool and will remain optimistic. Why? Because you guys are here to be mad for me. You guys are upset. I take in what you say, and and I consider that, and it's like, all right, cool. You guys are gonna be mad. I'm gonna be, you know, the guy who's not mad. Not necessarily to, you know, be a contrarian or anything like that, but just to. I I kind of think of myself. I want to be like a mediator. I suppose there has to be someone. On the other side, I guess. Although that still makes me sound like a contrarian. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Although, don't don't think that this doesn't mean that I don't have angry things to say. And I actually do have lots of angry things to say on this episode. So, um, maybe we should get started on that. Because really has not been a lot of good to talk about. Actually, no. Before we get into some 
angry stuff. Let's at least give a little bit of credit where it's due to some decent performers over the week because there there have been a couple. There's someone I want to shout out in particular. There there's one particular player, and that's Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles, you know, it it it's weird that this is kind of like the marquee free agent signing this season. Like this is what we really have to celebrate right now that we signed Jordan Lyles. It's like, whoa, big whoop, you guys. But Jordan Lyles, he pitched on Monday. He threw eight innings and only gave up one earned run. He gave up four runs, but only one earned. Um, the defense for the whole Texas series was just pretty god-awful all around. Um, yeah, like, like like overall, the defense for the team has been fine. It's just been a couple of guys that are really making it known how bad they are out in the field. But in any case, Jordan Lyles, like I said, eight innings, one earned run, and only 95 pitches, so... Maybe if manager Q was really feeling himself, he could have sent out Lyles for the for the ninth inning just to just to give the bullpen a day off because the bullpen has been absolutely horrible so far. Like, oh my god, why is everybody so bad? We'll get to that in a second because <laughs> let's keep it positive right now. But Jordan Lyles, so far uh, he's thrown twenty five point one innings this season. I don't know that's not leading, but I'm pretty sure that's you know in a pretty good um, standing overall. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, as of this morning, Friday, April twenty first, twenty twenty three, Jordan Lyles is third overall in baseball for innings pitched. He is only behind. Um, he's only behind Pablo Lopez of the Twins, who has thrown 26, and then Garrett Cole, who has thrown 28.1 innings so far. And that's not surprising. Garrett Cole is a workhorse pitcher. He's having a good season so far. I still think he's mid. <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm num I'm the number one Garrett Cole hater in the entire world. Um... But yeah, Jordan Lyles, you know, we, we we got him on this team because he's a guy that can throw innings. He's thrown 180 innings for the past two seasons, and we know the ERA isn't going to be particularly pretty. Right now, it's 3.91. That's a miracle. I doubt that will last. Uh, but you know what? If he can maintain like a mid four or even a high four, because keep in mind, um, offense is up this season. So, like a mid-four ERA for a starter is actually probably going to be closer to average than you might think. So, if he can just kind of maintain that while, you know, continuing to throw these six, seven, eight-inning starts, that you know, he, he will have done exactly what we paid him to do. But, if, hey, if he's going to, you know, maintain a low-four ERA or, or a, a high-three ERA, then that would be just Christmas. I doubt he will, but in any case, um, good job to him on Monday for pitching pretty adequately, I would say. And then the other guy that I um want to shout out, and I if if I cared enough to do a deluxe moment this episode, which I'm not going to, because this episode does not deserve one. There are no deluxe moments for this week. Um, I I would include uh, the the Bobby Witt Jr. home run on Wednesday because Bobby Wood Jr. hit a home run. Bobby Wood Jr. is hitting pretty well overall. He got off to a pretty slow start, 
but over the last week he's been hitting 320 and the main development the main like talking point of Bobby Wood Jr.'s improvement this season is that his strikeouts are going down last time last year he struck out 21.4 percent of the time this year he's striking out 15.4 percent of the time and last year he walked 4.8% 4.8% of the time. This year, he's walking 6.4% of the time, which is not, you know, great. But, you know, this is a very young player, so you hope that this is just one year of improvements that 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 will, you know, stack into the next year. So, you know, if he's going to cut the strikeout rate by 5 6% this year and raise the walk rate by 1 2% this year, hopefully he can do the same exact thing next year, cut the strikeout rate another few percent, get the walks up a little bit higher. You know, that, 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 that's kind of how things go. You know, baseball, developing baseball players is a very slow and long process. And Bobby Witt Jr. is kind of an example of that. You know, he hasn't been a star. He hasn't been a stud in the league so far. But so far this season, he has absolutely shown that he is getting better with the bat and the glove as well. The defense has not been too bad. So um, at least for now, I'm still thinking he can stay at shortstop. So very exciting to see Bobby Wood Jr.'s improvements this season, and I'm just hoping he can keep this up. So uh, that's about it for uh, positive things to say about the Royals um, lately. So let's get into negatives, which is about basically everybody else in the team. Or I guess we can, you know, shout out Vinny Pasquantino. He's, you know, he's he he's him. He, he's he's chilling. And also, I will, you know, shout out a little bit Franmil Reyes. He's been hitting decently so far. Um, So, yeah, nothing like worth getting super excited about. Just like, oh, congratulations. Fred Mill Reyes is now an average hitter. Cool. Um, But no, there are lots of other things that are are very, very upsetting with the Royals so far, especially lately. To kind of um, of talk about what um, I think a big issue with this team is is I want to talk about a team that I think is very similar to the Royals or at the very least they were going into this season looking very similar to the Royals uh, if you are a fan of foolish baseball uh, and you you know so much so that you keep up with his side channel foolish Bailey he had a short on that channel where he shouted out or maybe it was the foolish baseball channel doesn't matter he he, he made a short that was shouting out his two surprise teams in the MLB. Two teams that he thought would be underdogs this season. Not underdogs as in they were going to be surprise playoff teams, but that they were teams that were likely to outperform their projections. So we had one AL team, one NL team. The AL team, as you might imagine, was the Royals. The Foolish Baseball said, and and, and keep in mind, this is a very, very smart person within the baseball realm, a very, very respected person in the baseball content sphere. So he said that the Royals were going to outperform their projections, which for what it's worth, their projections were super low. I think uh, Baseball Prospectus had us at like 63 wins. Um, I think Baseball America had 68 or 69 wins. Um but yeah, he thought he, he he said that the Royals should outperform that. He likes MJ Melendez. He's a huge fan of Vinny Pasquantino. He's a fan of Michael Massey. He just likes the the lineup overall. The NL team that he picked is the team that I want to 
use as like a mirror image of the Royals. That team is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, I think that there's a, a huge issue with the Royals. It's something that I don't think we really thought about much in the offseason, but now with the regular season going the way it is, it's like, oh, this was a serious need that the Royals did not fulfill. I think that a big issue that the Royals have is that they don't have a lot of true veterans on this team. I think we kind of maybe got carried away with the youth movement on this team because we were all excited. Like, oh, we're going to have all these, you know, super young players who are, you know, really promising in in, uh, in the lineup on this team. But w- what that's kind of translated to this season so far is all of these young players struggling and now just being stuck in a hole where they have no idea what to do because they don't really have any a lot of people to rely on to help them get out of that. They they are the lineup now. Like compare this to last year when we called up everyone literally. The only player, the only rookie player we had on the opening day roster was Bob Wichuter. Aside from you know relievers, I guess like Taylor Clark, whoever. I don't, actually, no, Taylor Clark wasn't. Doesn't matter. Let's not even get into that. I'm talking about the lineup. Okay, so when. Basically, everyone outside of Bobby Wood Jr. gets called up. The season's already cooked. The Royals are already done. There's nothing to really play for. So when MJ Melendez comes up, Nick Prado, Vinny Pasquantino, Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, um, Michael Garcia played a little. I think the, the last three guys I mentioned all played in the Toronto series. And that's like the bulk of their playing time. But... Still, the point is, when they got called up, Drew Waters is another one, um, when they got called up, there was nothing to play for for this team. And thus, there were no expectations. They could literally do anything, and it would be like, whatever. Some guys are going to be surprisingly great, like Drew Waters or Nate Eaton. Some guys are going to be, you know, not very good, like Nick Prado. But if that's the case, it's like, well, you know, happens. He's, he, he's young, it's his first cup of coffee in the majors can't expect him to break out i think that lack of expectations helped the royals overall i think it helped these young players overall because you know they didn't have any pressure on them literally so it's just like whatever happens happens if they lose no one's going to blame them if they win well it's going to feel doubly great but now you're going into a regular season and saying okay the standings have been reset and you're now going to play good teams who are looking to clinch a playoff spot for the teams that we're, we're playing. Like maybe the Royals don't have it, uh, many big expectations, but every team that we've played so far this season, I think does the, the twins and the Braves and the Blue Jays and the Rangers even, and may, maybe not the Giants, but whatever I, we beat them. They're all thinking, okay, you know what? We think we're, we're serious this year. Every single game counts and they're going to play their hardest. And I'm sure the Royals are going to play their hardest as well, but they're kind of now facing that cruel reality where they're just not there yet. They're not on the same level yet. So they get overpowered. They get outplayed and they lose. And that sucks. Like it sucks to lose and it sucks to lose a lot because now you start the season four and 15 
you're now the second worst team in all of baseball. The only team that is worse than the Royals right now is the Oakland Athletics, who have just announced that they are leaving the city. We are only outperforming a team that is literally going extinct in a couple of years. And that's obviously not good. And I think that they're just kind of stuck in this hole because there's nothing, there's no one to really help them dig them out of that hole. There's not, there aren't a lot of veterans in this clubhouse that are able to, you know, help out the young guys. Like the young guys is literally the entire roster. And then you basically got Salvi. And Salvi's Salvi's a clutch hitter. Salvi's going to help you out. I think it's great to have Salvi around. But then who who are the other veterans? You've got Jackie Bradley Jr., Matt Duffy, and Fran Franmil Reyes, all of which are fighting for a for a roster spot just in general. These are not star players. They have had some decent years. Jackie Bradley Jr. won a World Series. He has a ring, but they're probably not guys that you really you know take after in the clubhouse. I mean, you can look up to them. You can be inspired by them somewhat. I'm sure they help, but that this is kind of what I'm saying that the, the Royals don't have a lot of true veterans aside from Salvi. No one in this clubhouse is going to be remembered within the game of baseball after, you know, you, you know, a few years after they retire, there's no one besides Salvi and Granke who really have a lot of stories to tell. And, can, and and have really been there and done it all. Guys that can really teach the young players, so to speak. Now, keep in mind, I'm not you know, trying to take away from anybody necessarily. I'm not trying to pick on anybody or criticizing anybody. It's not, you know, it's whatever. It's cool. I'm not asking Jackie Bradley Jr. to be, you know, a Hall of Famer. I'm not criticizing him because he's not. That, that That's fine. I'm just saying the Royals may be should have done a little bit more to bring in some kind of veteran presence. And the reason why I've been talking about this so much, the reason why I'm really starting to feel this very strongly, is because I started looking at the Diamondbacks, you know, because I was very interested in them going to this season. I had them penned as a 500 team, which I think might surprise some people, or it might have surprised some people. Well, the thing is, the Diamondbacks did that very same thing. The Diamondbacks signed Evan Longoria to their team. Evan Longoria, third baseman, the first franchise player for the Rays until they, you know, traded him because, you know, lol, whatever. Um, But Evan Longoria is a borderline Hall of Famer. He's incredibly accomplished in this game. He has been around for a very long time and even even though he's 37 now, he's still putting up decent numbers. He's still put up pretty decent seasons. Like, he has never been a bad player. Like, even to this day, even for the past couple of years, he has been a, a, an okay player overall. A pretty solid fielder with an above-average bat. Just a couple of years ago, he was a, a solid contributor to the 107-win Giants team. And if anybody is worried that, you know, I'm I'm clamoring for signing some kind of overpaid veteran... The Diamondbacks signed him for $4 million. One year. That is it. One year, $4 million for a borderline Hall of Fame player. Who, keep in mind, is still good. So far this season, he's hitting 303. 
He has a 907 OPS, and he's still a pretty good fielder at third base. And maybe the funniest thing about this is that the Diamondbacks didn't really technically need a third baseman. They have a very good third baseman as it is, Josh Rojas, who had a pretty good season last year. He's having an even better season this year. He's hitting 333, and he's in the lineup every single day, usually playing third base. Sometimes he's DHing. Same with Evan Longoria. They're actually using Evan Longoria more as a bench piece, it looks like. He's only, it looks like they're only using him every other game, putting him in the lineup every other game. But still, when he plays, he's good. So, so the Diamondbacks have a core third baseman, and they still signed an, another third baseman just so they can have him, I suppose. And he's a solid contributor to their lineup. Here's another thing that's very interesting about the Diamondbacks and why they're also very similar to the Royals. So there have been some, you know, there have been some light discussions about the strength of schedule and how it's been unfair to the Royals. There is a, um, a website that kind of uh, ranks these powerrankingsguru.com slash MLB slash strength of schedule. And according to this, it, it ranks the strength of schedule for all teams overall, like like how strong their schedule will be overall throughout their entire season. But it also has a set a separate ranking for how strong schedules have been so far. And based on this, so far, the Royals have had the toughest schedule in all of baseball. It's us, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I'm not like super freaking out, even though, you know, 415 is still bad, no matter how you slice it and whatever. We won't we won't argue about this, but I will just say that based on the quality of opponents that we have faced, the Royals have had the toughest schedule out of any MLB team this season so far to this point. And the team with the fourth strongest schedule is the Diamondbacks. Now, the way it um, measures this, the way it measures the strength of schedules, it kind of takes the ranking of each opponent and then and then puts them all into the average. So the Royals have an average opponent rank of 10.6, which is to say that we're generally facing like 10th place teams all the time, which actually seems a little bit generous. I feel like it should be stronger than that. But, but again, you know, 10th place in all of MLB, whatever. Diamondbacks, meanwhile, they're actually tied for third with an opponent average ranking of 10.8. Now, here's where, you know, the Royals and Diamondbacks split off because the Royals, you know, they're 4 and 15. They're absolutely abysmal. The Diamondbacks are 11 and 8. They are winning the division. They are winning the division with the Padres and the Dodgers. In fact, they have played the, dime, the, the, the the Dodgers and the Padres. They've played the Dodgers twice. They have had two series against the Dodgers so far. They've had two series against the Dodgers. And actually, they're in their second series against the Padres right now. They've also played the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Marlins. So the Marlins is like the one quote-unquote bad team that they've had to fight. And they're 11 and 8. Oh, sorry. 11 and 9. Still, they're in first place. Now it's unfair to say that Evan Longoria is the difference maker. That's not, you know, what I really believe. But I do think it would have helped to have him around. It would have helped to maybe do something a little bit more than what the Royals did this offseason, where they just kind of looked at what they had and said, eh, 
We will just we'll just go with this. Might as well. It really looked like the Royals had a had a genuine positional need at third base. It looked like they really needed a third baseman. And they decided We're gonna go with Hunter Dozier. That was their answer. Hunter freaking Dozier. If you um if you open up Dozier's baseball savant page, it's hilarious. It is genuinely that like like this has to be the saddest savant page out of anybody in all of baseball. There is only one aspect of Dozier's game that he is even remotely respectable in, which is his sprint speed. Despite the fact that he is a and this is hilarious, too. Okay, Hunter Dozier is in the 83rd percentile of sprint speed, which is to say he's one of the fastest players in the game, which makes no sense because he runs the bases terribly, and he doesn't even really look all that fast for some reason. He, Dozier is a is a very fascinating person. Like he looks physically imposing, he looks strong, he looks like he can play baseball really well, but then he doesn't do anything right. He has this one red circle on his savant page everything else the, the second highest the second best aspect of his game is his maximum exit velocity he's 37th percentile in that, which is to say he is well below average in that. and then hard hit velocity is just a little bit below that with the 30s he's in the 30 33rd percentile for hard hit percentage. Beyond that, there's the barrel percentage. 24th percentile. Now we're getting into some of the worst in all of baseball in each individual aspect. Then there's average exit velocity. 18th percentile. Outs above average? 15th percentile. Everything else. Expected batting average, expected slugging, strikeout percentage, walk percentage, chase rate, expected weighted on base average, whiff percentage, they all have a single digit blue circle. Which is to say, he is one of the worst in baseball at each of these things. This is the payoff for what the Royals were hoping for, what the Royals were counting on. Now, if you, you know, go into a little tab that has the year, you click on the year, and then you go back to 2022 and say, well, what about last year? The blue circles don't move that much. They move, but there's nothing about his game that shows that he's, you know, really worth having an extended look at. There's nothing particularly promising. But the Royals were just said, nope, we'll just go with Hunter Dozier. Once again, even though he's only shown one season where he's a capable hitter, maybe in a second season, I'll, I'll give him 2020. He was okay then, but he's definitely not shown that he's a capable third baseman defensively. And now you look at him this season and he, he fumbles softly hit ground balls to the third base. Like he can't even field those properly. It's like, what? It look, it's like he's got the hand-eye coordination of a freaking elephant. 
Now, there is something that I can, you know, sympathize with the Royals, where they think, okay, well, look, we know Hunter Dozier isn't good, but he's under contract for another two years. He's making like $16 million for the next two years, the next two seasons, so we, we might as well try. Small market team, we got to be efficient with our money. We, we have to squeeze out every, everything we can with what we're paying for. Well, here's where we go back to the Diamondbacks. Because just yesterday, on Thursday, the Diamondbacks announced that they DFA'd Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, you, you, you know, Madison Bumgarner, Game 7 of the World Series, worst person in the entire universe. Yeah, him. They DFA'd him. And what's funny about that is Madison Bumgarner is actually under contract for the same amount of time as Hunter Dozier. He still has two years on, on his contract, including this year. Except he's making twice as much money. Madison Bumgarner is still owed more than $30 million this season. More than $34 million, to be exact, according to Jeff Passan. So, so let, let, let's get something straight here. The, the, the Diamondbacks, a team which, mind you, just for the record, because I didn't bring this up earlier, a team that is pretty much equal to Kansas City in terms of market size and spending power, they are able to just say, F it. Get rid of this player who is really bad, and let's just focus on improving. When they actually have expe expectations to compete, when they're actually doing something right, because they, for all intents and purposes, they're a competitive team this year. They're first place in the division. They they gotta they they might as well save face and keep it going. The Royals, on the other hand, who have nothing to play for. Nothing going on. Can't do the same thing for their struggling player who is under contract for the same amount of time but for half the money. That's just laughable. That's ridiculous. The Royals are officially out of excuses for Hunter Dozier. There is nothing that anybody can say that justifies Hunter Dozier being on the roster going forward. Let's all just admit this contract was a mistake. And look, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone signs bad contracts, okay? Bad deals, whatever. It, it happens. Just take the L and move on. Because nobody, nobody wants to watch Hunter Dozier play baseball. And watching Hunter Dozier play baseball, or rather attempt to play baseball, is an absolutely miserable experience that I do not wish upon anybody. Get rid of him. Call up Michael Garcia. Call up Nick Lofton. Call up Samad Taylor. Do, do something. Call up somebody. I guarantee you they will be better than Hunter Dozier. The Royals are in dire straits right now. Like this is this was literally the worst possible start they could have had to this season. They have won one game at home this season. One game. And I think they've actually played the most home games out of anybody in baseball. They have played 13 games at home. They have won one of them. 
That is insane. It is depressing to think about that. I genuinely feel bad for anybody who has paid to go watch the Royals this season. Like, wow, you got ripped off, bro. And I certainly can't imagine why anybody would want to go out, aside from the fact that they already paid for a ticket. Because, you know, I did that. I've got a game coming up next month. Oh, I'm so excited for that. But this team is off to the worst start it could possibly have had. Something needs to be done. Something. Literally anything. Get rid of some guys. Call up some new ones. Because it's clear that whatever you're trying to do right now isn't working. I know Q is trying to get cute with the roster. <laughs> cute. <laughs> but it's clearly not like the roster configuration or anything. No roster configuration is going to make this roster work. It's just a bad roster in general. Or lineup configuration, I should have said. It's not going to work. Because this is a bad roster. This is a bad lineup. You've got Hunter Dozier who has an OPS plus of 8. And then you've got, and then you're surrounding him with other guys who are just bad. Michael Massey has a negative OPS plus. I didn't even know it was negative to have a, oh, I, I didn't even know it was possible to have a negative OPS plus. How do you, how do you have a negative OPS plus? OPS plus is a, is like a, it's a, uh, it's a scaled stat is what it is. It accounts for a, a hitter's entire performance as well as the league average. And 100 is the average. So anything above that is above average. Anything below 100 is below average. So if you're if you have an OPS plus of negative 27, you're you are worse than. What, what is even the math on that? It's so. Oh my god, dude! You are more than 100 percent worse than the league average hitter. That's what that means. That is that's incredible. Honestly, like there's something kind of impressive about that. I shouldn't be impressed about it. I'm sorry. Look, I, 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 I want Michael Massey to be better, and I do believe he will be better at some point, but Michael Massey needs to be optimal. In fact, let's get into this other segment that I had in mind, which is me playing God. Okay, that's maybe a bit excessive. I'm not going to play God, but I am going to play GM. Let's, let's open up our out-of-the-park baseball files and you know move some stuff around. So what I'm going to do here... So I'm going to make some changes to the Royals roster that should be made right now. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to do anything, you know, extra. So it's, it's not going to be like, oh, pick up this guy on waivers or trade this player. Like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to work with whatever we have in the organization and just, you know, go from there. See how we can fix the Royals, so to speak. Do whatever we can to fix the Royals, I guess. Oh, also, this should be mentioned that I'm, you know, recording this on Friday before anything has been announced. I would have to imagine that the Royals are going to do something. Will be a roster update, but I don't know what it is right now, so I'm just going to continue fantasizing. We'll talk about whatever updates do happen on Monday. That's why we do two podcasts a week. Um, although I guess it does put the Friday spot in a sticky situation. Whatever. It's okay. So here's what I would do right now. I would, um, first of all, DFA Hunter Dozier. Get rid of him. Just, just, just get him out. I don't care. Doesn't matter anymore. I'd also option Michael Massey and Nate Eaton, who I've talked about extensively in the past. So 
Nothing new there. I don't think they've improved enough since the last week or so to really justify stick, sticking on this roster. I would at least, you know, tell them, hey, you, you guys are cool. You're great fielders, fantastic defenders, but just work on the approach a little bit. It's it's clear that they are just overwhelmed at the plate. They, they just don't have a good approach right now. Go, you know, go, go cool off, relax in AAA for a little bit, work on the approach, and things will get better. I believe in them. And this one might be a little bit hot of a take. This might be a little bit controversial, but honestly, I'm kind of done with this guy. Put Edward Olivares on waivers. I mean, you don't have to outright DFA him or anything. And I know that, you know, there's that side of us that feels bad for Olivares because he hasn't been given a, a particularly fair chance with the Royals. But so far this season, he has been bad. He has not been good at the plate. Um, and he has been just atrocious in the outfield. I mean, you could literally just take one of like the, the, the building size, wacky, wavy, inflatable tube mans that they put in front of like car washes and stuff. Like you could just replace Edward Olivares with that. And that would be a legitimate defensive upgrade. Like, like, like it, it's so weird. I don't know how he is so bad. You know how Kyle Isbell, you know, we talk about how Kyle Isbell has the best outfield jump in all of baseball, which is to say he's the fastest to take his route. When, you know, chasing after a fly ball, when he, when the ball hits the bat or when the bat hits the ball, Kyle Isbell has already taken his first step. He already knows where to go in the outfield. Edward Olivares takes his first step when the ball gets past him. Like, it's bizarre. Like, he legitimately cannot read the ball off the bat, I think. I think that's his issue, which is like a very basic and core skill of being an outfielder. Like, oh my God, dude, Jorge Soler was better than this. Uh, so yeah, he, he's not good, um, and he doesn't fit on the roster anymore. You can, you know, wave him so that if he clears waivers, you can put him back in AAA, but I, I'm kind of done with Olivares. Again, feels bad, but, you know, he, at, at this point, we need to figure something out, and it's not working, so we got to do something. So put Edward Olivares on waivers. So that's four players I'm removing from the roster. Four players that I'm four position players that I'm removing. We haven't even gone to the pitching yet. So who do I replace them with? I think this was this is pretty easy. Call up Samad Taylor. He's a second baseman slash outfielder. He can fill in for Michael Massey. Call up Michael Garcia. He's a shortstop. He can probably fit into third for now. Um, he can also play a little bit of outfield. I'd say keep him at third base. See what he can do there. And then, you know what? This is my podcast. This is my... I, I am the GM right now, so I get I get to say so. Call up Tucker Bradley. I've been saying this the entire time. Tucker Bradley should be on this roster. Tucker Bradley is hitting really well. And he's been hitting incredibly well at every level of the, of, of the minors. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I know I get it. He doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't have a ton of pop, but he's still, he's hitting 286 with a 390 on base. And he's making fantastic plays in the outfield. Just, just, just call him up. Come on. Now, keep in mind, he's not on the 40 man roster. So some room needs to be made for that. Oh, wait, IDFA Hunter Dozier and also put Edward Olivares on waivers. So, ooh, yippee. I'm, I'm, I'm way ahead of the curve. And then the fourth guy that I'm going to call up, I'm not super confident in this, but this is a kind of a, it's kind of like Edward Olivares, where we might as well just, you know, use him or lose him. Call up Dyron Blanco. So far this season, he's hitting 264 with a 350 on base and eight stolen bases. Uh, so he's going to add speed. 
to the game. Uh, doesn't have a ton of power. I thought he was more of a power hitter, but it's fine. He's in the outfield a lot. He's actually playing center a lot, so that's kind of cool. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in Dyron Blanco or anything, but he's still on the 40-man roster, and you might as well just try him at this point. Might as well call him up, see what he can do, and, you know, if you don't like him, you know, get rid of him this offseason. I was actually a little bit surprised to see that they kept him since they used him so little last year, and he's already 30. This guy is 30 years old, but all the more reason to just try and see what happens with this guy. I think you have, I think the, I think people would prefer to see Nick Lofton or Tyler Gentry or even Nick Prado again, but I think that these guys have more time to, you know, build in AAA and, you know, prove themselves later. Again, Tyron Blanco was 30 years old. You might as well just see what this guy can do before, you know, making any, before, you know, calling up someone else and realizing you don't need this guy anymore, which will probably happen to anybody, but anyway, but whatever. So those are the four things that I would do for the four roster moves I would make DFA Hunter Dozier wave Edward Olivares option Michael Massey option Nate Eaton and then call up Samad Taylor Michael Garcia Tucker Bradley and Dyron Blanc. Now I think some pitching moves need to be made. This is a bit difficult because we still don't know what's going to happen with Chris Bubich. Um, yeah, I haven't mentioned that yet. Chris Bubich, you know, he went on the IL with a left flexor strain. I thought it was just forearm tightness. I think I said so in the, my last podcast. Whoopsies! Um, yeah, Chris Bubich is on the IL with a left flexor sprain or strain. And they said a couple of days ago that they're going to get a second opinion on Thursday. They did not announce what that second opinion was on Thursday. Um, just for the record, Tampa Bay Rays have a really good pitcher named Jeffrey Springs, who was off to a great start this season. He was diagnosed with a left flexor sprain. I was trying to sound cool, and then I mispronounced sprain. He's getting Tommy John. So, um, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens with 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 Chris Bubich. Not saying anything, and I won't say anything. So this is why I say it's tricky because we don't know for sure what's really happening with Chris Bubich. Um, but yeah, thing is, I don't know who's going to take his place in the rotation, even as is. Maybe they'll just go with Ryan Yarbrough until they can get uh, Daniel Lynch back. I guess that would be fine. One way or another, though, we're probably going to need somebody else. Um, thing is, no one's really pitching well in Omaha right now as far as potential starters go. So, um, yeah. Jonathan Heasley is not good. Max Castillo is not good. Jackson Kowar is not good. Maybe Austin Cox, maybe Dylan per or Drew Parrish, I suppose. Um... I also kind of think they need a option to reliever. Jose Quas or Taylor Clark or both, honestly, maybe because neither of them look particularly great now. Meanwhile, the Royals have Nick Whitgren in the system and he's pitching well in AAA Omaha right now. He's someone who's had some pretty good seasons in, in the past. 
um, particularly with Cleveland. You know, a few years ago, he was a really solid reliever for them. Um, but yeah, right now, so far, 8.2 innings pitched, 1.04 ERA. So that's someone who can probably fill in for the bullpen. But again, it's it's difficult to really know what exactly you can do with the pitching staff right now in terms of options and then the 40-man roster. Um, but I did waive two players, so and only added one, so I guess that kind of settles something by itself right there. So yeah, call up Nick Wickgren, put him in the put him in the bullpen. Um, probably option Taylor Clark and or Jose Quas, um, and maybe bring up another pitcher again. Sorry, sorry that this one is not particularly conclusive because I don't think there's a ton of information to really take from. But yeah. And also have a talk with Scott Barlow. What is what is wrong with my boy? Why why is he so bad now? I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna start crying. I don't like seeing this. No. Uh everything that that seems like it could have gone wrong has gone wrong. Except for Chris Bubich. Chris Bubich was going really well, and then Chris Bubich went very, very wrong. Oh boy. We're going through it. Well, your oldest Chapman is Pretty good. Party horn sound effect. <laughs> it's so funny how that was probably the least enthusiastic everybody. Uh, the, the least interesting signing we made. Everybody was like, oh no, not this guy. And then he's like the best player on the team. <laughs> oh man. Oh, Royals. Oh, oh, Royals. You're so funny, Royals. I accidentally cut myself off. Whoopsies. Well, let's see what's going on tomorrow. Oh, I didn't realize this. I'm dumb. Taylor Clark can't be optioned because he's the starting pitcher for Friday's game. <laughs> well, it's okay. He's probably up against a really easy opponent. Who are we playing? The Los Angeles Angels. Okay, who's their starting pitcher? Shohei Otani. <laughs> We're going to play the baseball team that plays in front of Disney World or whatever. The Los Angeles Angels, they are a very okay team so far. They are 9 and 10. Which for them is like an incredible accomplishment. I don't, I don't like the Angels very much. Um, they're uh, and they're just like pretty okay overall uh, as a lineup. They have a 99 weighted runs created plus, which is to say they are pretty much exactly average. They're hitting uh, 238 with a 329 on base. That's not bad, and a 375 slugging. That actually is kind of bad. And they have a team ERA of 3.83, which is 10th overall in baseball. It might help that they have this guy named Shohei Otani, who has already made four starts and has a 0.86 ERA. 86, just like the anime. This guy's such a freaking weeb, bro. Wow, I can't believe this. So that's Friday starter for, for y'all. Good luck with that. Uh, and then on... Saturday, tomorrow, we're going to see Tyler Anderson. He had a pretty great year with the Diamondbacks last year. He even made an all-star appearance. 178.2 innings pitched with a 2.57 ERA. And keep in mind, this guy was never like a particularly great pitcher. The, Di the Dodgers just like 
pulled some guy out of nowhere and made him really good for a season. And then he got a three-year deal with the Angels. So far, he's pitching to a 6.75 ERA with four, in 14.2 innings, three starts. Average Angels contract right there. I, again, I hate the Angels. I freaking hate them. He's going to go up against our Zach Greinke. Greinke so far is doing pretty well. He is winless in four starts, 0-3 to be exact, but he's pitched to a 4.03 ERA. So it's not his fault that this team sucks. And then on Sunday, we've got Jordan Lyles, our innings eater man. He is also 0-3, but to a 3.91 ERA so far. So it's not his fault that the team sucks. And then the Angels are going to send in one of their better starters, Reed Detmers, who I believe threw a no-hitter last year, actually. 129 innings pitched, 3.77 ERA last season. So he was all right, if not a little bit injured. This season so far, 16 innings pitched in three games started to a 4.5 ERA. So, uh, yeah, this pitching, you know, it looks like Friday is going to be a, a pretty easy loss, but maybe, hopefully, that won't discourage the team so much and they can try sneaking in a couple of wins in the next couple of games. That would be pretty cool. I mean, their lineup ain't that scary. Their lineup ain't that scary. Look, it's they got Mike Trout. They got Shohei Otani. But aside from that, who do they have? Okay, Logan O'Hop. He's having a good season. Okay, Hunter Renfro. He's also having a good season. But aside from that... Their lineup ain't that good. Taylor Ward has fallen off. Anthony Rendon, he's not good unless you're an Oakland Athletics fan calling him a bitch. And then the other guys are just kind of, they just kind of exist. They've actually called up their uh, first round pick from last year, Zach Nato, to play shortstop. They are very, very aggressive in how they promote players. Keep doing it, guys. It, it, it's worked so well in the past. Hey, remember Joe Adele? Studio laughter, sound effect. Yeah. I freaking hate the Angels, bro. They suck. This is a, such a terrible organization, but they also have the two most lovable baseball players in all existence. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad for them. Free Otani, free Trout. The league would be... The, the, the sport of baseball would be better if these guys didn't play for them. So, um... Royals, please do me a favor and beat the Angels so that they realize that they're not good and then they trade Otani and Trout. They will never they, they will never trade Trout, unfortunately, but a man can dream. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Hopefully something will happen. Hopefully something good will happen because, man, it's not a lot of fun talking about bad stuff all the time. But hey, I'm just being cool. I'm just staying cool here. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I'll see you on Monday. If you enjoyed this, please leave a five-star review or whatever on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And make sure you're subscribed for all future episodes. You're not going to want to miss my coverage of, of, uh, of, Tucker, of Tucker Bradley's Rookie of the Year MVP campaign that's happening this season in 2023. Just remember, I was the first one on this. You can also follow the Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod or my personal Twitter at the MFNKC. And any further inquiries can be sent to the email royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. And I hope you're having a good one. Have a good weekend, everybody. I'll see you on Monday. Until then, I'm Lux. Go Royals. I still believe.